Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Startup Nightmares. Startup Nightmares is a podcast that aims to inspire those who work in the startup world to do the best work they can, the best way possible, while dodging some bullets doing so. Let's just be a bit more human here. All of these people started needing stuff from me. Don't feel like you're on your own because you're, you're never on your own. But I'm paying this person a good wage. Why isn't that enough? And that doesn't make me special. What is making me special is my deeper story. People need a sense of purpose to feel motivated in their job. Wake up at five in the morning and like go to the gym for an hour. Like, what the fuck is that? You're sitting at your desk crying and you're like, what happened? I had no idea how to monetize anything. I was like, ah, everybody gets a title, you get a title, you get a title. Either pay me or I will sue you. All of our guests have been to the dark side of the innovation ecosystem and came back to tell their tale. You can use this, this is how you get there. It is not a secret anymore. My name is Tal Shmueli and I will be your host. Samir, first, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> I'm the interviewer, and you have so many more notes than I do. <laughs> How do you explain that? I come prepared. <laughs> People made plans to invade Europe, and they had less paperwork than this. <laughs> and that's because they didn't have a woman invade Europe. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> okay, let's get this uh, show on the road, shall we? Haven't we been doing that for the last 20 minutes? <laughs> yeah, that's been, a, that's been a long warm-up. Six weeks and 20 minutes. Samet, who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? I actually spent several months uh, probing myself on those exact three questions. Meaning you, you actually tried and answered them before being prompted to? Meaning before I chose this career, I went through a very... In, detailed process, a very deep process. My last entrepreneurial journey was uh, on the rural roads of Africa, trying to save lives uh, and prevent HIV. And when I stopped that path, you know, everyone around me assumed that, oh, okay, what's your next startup? And everyone assumed it's going to be saving lives in one way or the other. And something within me felt different. And I, I, I felt that there's something else that I need to be doing, and I, I couldn't figure it out exactly. And I went through a very detailed process. And what I'd like to be, um, this is what I'm striving for. Long answer to a short question. <laughs> you know, my logo is a spark. 
I would like to be the spark that ignites social impact and action. And every word there was very carefully selected because the impact that I want to create in this world is always going to be for good. And the people that I want to ignite and want something to happen for them, they are good people. I'm here because I think you are a good person. And I think Eyal behind the scenes here is a good person. And those are the people that I choose to surround myself with and to collaborate with. Most of the guests that come here know that they are about to be asked the same question. Who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? And it's always a surprise. They always start answering it differently. Sometimes we have to do two or three takes before they feel comfortable enough with the answer. And, you know, on your own accord, you spend months investigating that, these specific questions. What is the payoff to spending this much time, you know, searching through your own mind and essence and soul? This is a very good question. One of the workshops that I'm working on is based on a model called Ikigai. It's a, it's a Japanese concept that basically is the intersection between what you love to do, what you're good at, what you can get paid for, and what the world needs from you. And when you're in that intersection between all of them, you are living in the highest sense. And I want to be there. We have one life to live. And from my perspective, I, I want to make sure that I'm, um, I'm living it in the best way that I can and to deliver the most value that I can to others. So, so there, there's no other option. You co-founded a startup called Prepex. Prepex was a medical device, a small plastic piece that had potential to save millions of lives. You operated mainly in Africa. You took this project from a concept to commercialization throughout everything. Medical approvals, patenting, go-to-market. What was the moment you realized you're going to devote so much of your time to that project, to that endeavor? Oh, fr- from the very second uh, I, you know, I came across the prototype, it was just clear to me that this is mine. I think a, a tiny bit of background is necessary here because uh, it's a medical device for uh, HIV prevention. After it was proven by the World Health Organization and the United Nations and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that a circumcised man in sub-Saharan Africa reduces his lifetime risk of HIV infection by roughly 70%. So this prompts all these international organizations um, to come up with a massive plan to circumcise 20 million adult men over the next few years. And if that gets done, we save three and a half million lives and 16 and a half billion dollars in long-term health care costs by averting the inf- infections, by preventing them rather than treating them because treatment is only treating the symptoms. So what we developed is the first and only device in the world that can conduct non-surgical adult male circumcision. That's an unlikely venture for, for a Caucasian female in Israel. True, true. It's an unlikely okay, uh, occupation for a woman anywhere. But for my, from my perspective, you know, the impact here is so scalable. My mantra at that time in my life is there are 24 hours in a day. Thinking small and thinking big takes the same amount of time. And if you have the capacity, not everyone thinks big. But if you have the capacity to think big, then you're wasting your time and your life by thinking and doing small. So this was an incredible opportunity 
as an entrepreneur to make a profound difference and to save millions of lives. So it wasn't even a question. It was just like, this is going to happen and this is mine. I was not a CEO of a company before. I had, I had no experience uh, in medical devices or public health or anything for that matter. I had never stepped foot in African soil. But I actually think that coming from virgin territory enabled me to think totally out of the box without any constraints. And it was a wild, wild journey. Your program is called Startup Nightmares, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> This was a nightmare. You're describing a, a childlike experience where you were fearless because you didn't know what to be afraid of. Interesting. That's a very interesting insight because um, I do believe, and this is part of a, a broader philosophy that has to do with, with Nietzsche, the German philosopher, um, and I try to come into this world with everything I do with a child's mind, meaning really to come in with a clean slate. And I, I actually al always do new things, so I'm always, I always put myself in that position. And I believe that coming from that position, it, it really enables completely free thinking about how to approach problems. What are some of the high-level challenges you had to cope with being new to Africa, new to medical tech, never ran a company before? Was there anything that I didn't need to cope with? Was there anything that I wasn't challenged with? <laughs> so what fires do you This put out first? This is a day-to-day battle. Okay, this battle? is a That's battle. Actually, yes, it is a battle. And actually the lecture that I, um, I have a lecture that I've been running with for the past few years, it's called Vision Meet Reality. Okay, and it's literally a boxing match between vision and reality. And I bring it to a climax and what I believe will makes a difference between those who will realize their vision and those who will sit aside and watch. But it is a battle and, and resilience is a core part of that battle. But in that sense, you know, It was really, really difficult. But I think that everyone has a difficult journey. I think this quest for happiness is totally overrated. I have, my quest is for meaning, and I define meaning in my life. And happiness is, you know, par part of the journey, but it's not my goal. It's not my quest. Mm. And in that, you know, for me, meaning is... creating global social impact and action. So for me, this journey was, you know, it sits right on what I'm trying to achieve in this world. So there's a, there's a really strong inner moment, inner force within you, drive that global change. Were you aware of it before Prepex? Do you have a notion that this is what you were destined to do in a way? Actually, yes. Not always, but... But it, uh, I actually, I can tell you that there is a moment in time and space that I knew. I didn't know there was a name for it, but I know that I became a social entrepreneur at that particular moment. Today, everyone is a social entrepreneur and everyone is an impact investor. But when this came to me, no one was using that word. It was when I was about five months pregnant with my first child. He is 17 uh, now. And, and suddenly, I, I was living in the States at the time, and suddenly I envisioned him um, calling me mommy and not Ima in Hebrew. I was like, wait a second. 
hmm, what, what does that mean for me that he'll call me mommy and not Ima? And, and suddenly something happened. I was reading something about Israel and literally my stomach turned, which is why I had to do a C-section because he, had, <laughs> he was head up. Whole other story. No, but seriously, um, my stomach turned at the time and I had this real, it was an epiphany that I realized that I wanted to make a difference in this world. And it was something that had to do at that time with doing good for Israel while I'm living in the States as an American Jew. And it became clear to me that, you know, either I wait till I'm very, very wealthy and as a philanthropist, I will act or I will act as a human being with the resources that I have. Thankfully, I didn't wait. <laughs> um, many good things have been, would have been missed if I would have waited. But it was that energy. It was that force knowing that I, I want to make a difference in this world and I want to move the needle. Can I, can I interject with another insight type question? No. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Speaking with you, it's clear that your level of self-knowledge is, is very, very high. Like you know yourself inside and out without losing your curiosity on one hand. And on the other, face new situations with the innocence of a child, with, with a, like you said, a blank canvas. How do you explain those two opposite ends of the spectrum? Deep knowledge and, and, and naivety in a way. I actually don't think that I'm, that I'm knowledgeable about myself. I'm aware. And, and I, I think I'm humble enough to know that I don't know what I don't know. And when you, when you walk through life with that sense of humility, then you're always open for, for new ways of thinking. And I've taken judgment out Of my, of my being, okay? I mean, of course, we all have, you know, in, instinctive reactions to, 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 to people and circumstances. But actually what I try to do also in my work with people today is to get rid of those automatic thoughts and those automatic behaviors and, and see who is in front of you and start from scratch. Start with the beginner's mind. But you still have, you know, everything that you've learned needs to... It, It is an interesting dance between the things that you know and you develop it, what is intuition, okay? Ultimately, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a combination of things that you've learned and that you bring it forward that the right person, with the right person at the right time. And yet, keeping that space open for, for new interpretations, for new ways of looking at your world, I, I just think you have to always keep your mind open. And living with the self-awareness means that you, you stop for a second and say, wait a second, is my instinctive reaction, is it benefiting me? Is it benefiting the other person? Or should I be looking at this from a different angle? So that is my constant, challenging. You're going to hit new situations all the time. And sort of accepting that, you know, everybody talked about during this corona period, they're talking about, oh, uncertainty, uncertainty, you never know what's going to happen. Like, That's, that's built in. I don't expect certainty. I live in constant ambiguity and I live in constant questioning. I assume that something is going to come that I'm not going to, that I haven't ever dealt with and I'm going to have to find a solution to deal with it. 
can I double click on the distinction you made between awareness and knowledge? Mm-hmm. What is the difference? Well, it, it, it came to me as you asked. It, it's not something, you know, that I, that I thought about. So, so thank you for the question. It just was clear to me that it's not. Knowledge to me is, is, what, we, um, is what we acquire constantly. I, I'm always learning new things. I, I will never stop learning. I never want to take tests anymore. I'm not doing, I, I have a, a bachelor's degree and even that, I don't know how I managed to, to get through that. I don't like when people tell me what I need to learn. I, I want to learn what I want to learn, and I want to learn a lot. So to me, the knowledge is the knowledge that I accumulate from external circumstances, and, that, and I um, decide to embody them or disagree with them or whatever it is. Awareness is a strong awareness. There's, our body is absolutely brilliant, all of ours. And the mind-body connection is so strong. And if we... Are in tune and we listen to ourselves most of the answers are here are here are here um, and it's it's being aware of your your thoughts your emotions your your behaviors and and choosing what parts of them you want to bring forward and not just you know oh okay reacting you know emotionally because of something that happened 15 years ago I was hesitant if I should ask that question because I knew it's a bit ambiguous and I was afraid it's going to derail us from our conversation. And as you were answering it, I was realizing that actually that's a really interesting segue into the world of the entrepreneur. So you've done a hell of a roller coaster. If I'm not mistaken, I think last I read, you guys have helped save the life of a quarter of a million people. Yeah, over a quarter of a million people. which makes me very proud. If anyone would have told me a day before I started Prefix uh, with my four co-founders, a day before that I would be circumcising African men in Africa, I would have told you, you're insane. <laughs> and, <laughs> but on the same token, if you would have told me that I would have been lecturing for years and this would be my career. And people would say, so what are you doing today? I'll be lecturing. No, but what are you doing today? Lecturing. I would have told you you're insane on the same token. Okay. But when you understand that your impact is so strong, then you try to get rid of all the voices, all the people that are like, oh, why aren't you like, you know, finding a cure for cancer? Because I, I, I understood that my, my role here on this planet now has changed completely. In the past two years, the most prevalent question after every lecture is, what would you do differently? I mean, what did you learn from, you know, this blood, sweat, and tears, this, you know, nightmare of a startup journey? And it led me, and this is the knowledge part, okay? Because I accumulated a lot of knowledge. A lot of how-to. A lot of how-to. And, okay. and what not to. <laughs> Thank you. Perfect. That's exactly it. Because what I did is basically I, I formulated, I, I codified my entrepreneurial mindset. And I took my mistakes and how I quickly was able to, to, to recover from them and to move on, you know, to, to, to continue. Now, People come out of my lecture and they say, oh, this persistence, this persistence. And, and I say, no, it's not persistence. Persistence can be stupid, okay? 
Because if you persist doing the same thing, not realizing where you're making a mistake, you know, that's like Einstein's quote, right? You know, what is insanity? Doing the same thing again and again and expecting a different result. So basically, it's, it's understanding where I went wrong, what I corrected, and I formulated, I literally developed, it took me two years to, to, because I don't release things that are not sublime. So until it's sublime, you know, I hear people that like develop workshops over a few weeks. I'm like, I don't know how you did that. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. I go very deep in anything so, that I develop. So you're not like the day before the lecture, still on the plane, still editing it? No. No, I prepare. I can improvise once, I'm, once I know I have prepared, but I, I prepare. Actually, he, I didn't prepare to come here because I knew that if I would watch other interviews, I would chicken out. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. I, actually, that I needed to come with a fresh mind also. It comes from wanting to not know what, what you've done before and who you are. That actually I didn't prepare for, um, but I always do. So basically, I formulated a methodology that I call the blind spot hacking system. If I could distill the essence of this workshop, okay, what is the big learning, the big insight, is that there were things going on around me. They were there, but I didn't see them. So basically, what I say is the life and death of your project depends on your peripheral vision, okay? Now, we all know like, you drive, right? I Even do. though you're a Tel Aviv, you drive? Okay. So... We know we get trained to look for the blind spot, right? We know if we actually, you know, if we make a wrong turn and we didn't check our blind spot and there's a, um, a bike rider there, we killed him. If there's a, we made a, a wrong turn to the left and there was a truck driver, we're dead. But we're trained to look for the blind spots, but no one trains us <laughs> in, our, in our business environment and in our life to look for the blind spots, you know, it's very funny because when I tell that people, they say, oh, I know my blind spots. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Oxymoron. <laughs> They're called blind spots. <laughs> yes. And if you say that, you need to come to my, <laughs> to my workshop immediately. <laughs> I'm fascinated by, by that and specifically by something you said just as you started explaining about the workshop. And that's the fact that, that things happen, but you didn't see them. When a person leaves a job, right, and if it happened to be on, on not favorable terms, something happened, they found themselves out of a company, it takes them a while to understand what happened. It sometimes takes months or even years to fully understand what happened. And what happens in that post-mortem experience? You speak to people. You hear. You get another insight, another perspective. You see a pattern in yourself, two jobs down the line, and then you can explain what happened to you back then, start identify some of these patterns in retrospect, and I think that is absolutely fascinating. There's this sentence that says that the tragedy of life is that you leave them going forward and you understand them looking backward. Did I pay you? <laughs> you definitely did not. Did not, right? Did <laughs> <laughs> you use that sentence? I actually, the main activity in the workshop and at the end, the exercise is close your eyes, imagine a failure, and do what I just did with you for the past, whatever, five hours or six hours. I took you back to my entrepreneurial journey and I spilled all the things that I messed up with in the most open way because that is how resilience is built. I'm curious if there are any common threads 
that you see, common blind spots, things that are harder for people in this day and age that, you know, more than one person had bought into your, uh, into your workshop? It's a, it's, a, it's a great question. There is a common theme. And by the way, I don't adapt to them. I, I listen and, um, and help find solutions. It's always starting from scratch. And, and this actually is transformative for many people because we grow up on this concept of witham. What's in it for me, right? Or when you're walking, when you have to stand before an audience or a client or a key, a key presentation or a pitch, what's in it for them? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Wrong. Literally wrong. I challenge that notion. Because when you ask what's in it for them, you are blind. Inherently blind. Because it assumes, first of all, that you know what's in it for them. And second, you are agenda-driven. I, I developed a methodology called Two Steps Back. Because I say, if you're going to ask what's in it for them, you're going to be wrong. You know, when I came to Africa, you know, I, this, this whole turbulent journey that I use in my, uh, in my lecture, I knew what's in it for them. I, everyone told me, ask what's in it for them. And I said, ah, saving lives and saving costs. What do you mean? That did not get me very far. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like the right answer to that question. Th th you would think, right? Right. I, I thought that saving lives is motivation enough to getting people to go, right? No. And so if I was wrong, and we're talking about saving lives, then what else? You know, are you, you cannot assume. So by taking two steps back, and I literally teach this as, as a broader methodology, okay? But I'm just going to give you kind of a, a feel for what happens in the, you know, one of the tools that I teach in the, in the workshop is the methodology called two steps back because you need to first release your agenda. Walk in here. Throw away all your questions and just see what's going on, okay? And then ask your questions. Find out who I am, what motivates me, what's challenging me, 
where I just came from, you know, because if I'm going to be sitting here on this interview, constantly looking at my watch or constantly looking around, you know, something's going on. You may assume that I'm not engaged, that I'm not interested, but maybe a family member of mine just was hospitalized and I'm really, really worried. You don't know. Okay, so you need to walk into a crucial meeting, release your agenda. That's step back number one. Step two, find out what their pain point is. Find out what their agenda is. But you can only do that if you release your agenda. Okay, because if you know you want to sell this um, whatever SaaS system that will replace the legacy system, you're sure you understand what's in it for them. They want to reduce costs and they want to increase efficiency. Exactly. Wrong. And, and by finding out their real pain point or what's going on or what will help, what are your key success uh, factors? What are your KPIs? What are your challenges today? And only after I've got all that together can I, can I get to this alignment and then I know what's in it for them. It's just a little example. And it's a huge blind spot because people sell. They like to sell. And I always say to entrepreneurs, if, if the other side is just listening to you and they didn't ask any questions and they weren't engaged, you did not have a good meeting. You did not connect. No. I think a lot of people can identify with that feeling of, gee, did I just speak for 15 minutes straight? Exactly. That cannot, that, that cannot happen. On your LinkedIn, I saw that you um, call yourself a resilience trainer. I know what a trainer is. I think I know what resilience is. My question is, what happens when you connect these two things? Curious. What would you imagine as a trainer? What would you, where, where, would, this, where would this take you? Training would be able to take me to a place where I experience some difficulty and they will help me observe and overcome it. And that's what typically people think. When they think of resilience, they think of, oh, these hard things coming my way and I'm resilient. And two things I want to say here. One is there's a lot of confusion between persistence, perseverance, resilience. They're used interchangeably, but they're not the same thing. When people walk out of my lecture, I told you, they say, oh, you're so persistent, so persistent. Mm -mm. If I was just persistent, I would have been hitting walls all the time and, and, and doing the same thing. So resilience actually embodies both. From my perspective, the resilience is not, okay, getting, uh, um, persevering through adversity. It's actually knowing how to bounce back and to continue and to move on. And for me, resilience has to do with self-awareness and really strong communication skills to understand what's going on around you. So what I'm getting is that you're saying resilience is a muscle that can be trained. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Some people are resilient, some are not. And you're saying everyone can be at least more resilient than they currently are. A hundred percent. And if it's not just through the workshop, then it's uh, also through one-on-one -on -one training. And uh, I, I see it happening. I see transformation happening before my very own eyes.
on that aspect of resilience, I'm personally against, you know, victimizing yourself. I'm not a victim. I live my life. I choose how I live my life. When people hear about my journey uh, through the lecture, they're like, oh, what is the price that you paid on your family, your wife? And like, first of all, if I was a man, would you ask me that question? When people ask me that question, they assume I paid a price. Okay. And there's, they assume there's a sacrifice. I am not a martyr. I'm not a victim. My children are fine. I want them to see me having a career and thriving. I, I would like to be a role model for my children in, in how I act to my partners, to my friends, to my colleagues, um, to the people that I lecture for. There's nothing that can prepare you for motherhood. There's nothing that can prepare you for being an entrepreneur. You can think that. You can read all the books in the world. I actually don't think that you can anticipate. I don't think there's anything that can prepare you for really big changes in your life, whether it's motherhood or whether it's becoming an entrepreneur. I don't think you can think it through. And I actually think that thinking it through is a blind spot because then you're, you know, you're sort of assuming you know where you're going, whereas I prefer to, to walk in assuming I know nothing and you know, assuming I have enough knowledge and it, I'm resourceful enough to, you know, to accomplish what I need to accomplish. It's a scary notion to me, what you're describing. I'm, I'm feeling that every time I'm trying to find a, a how-to, a guide, you're stripping it and you're saying, you know, you forget what you know. Stop trying to project into the future. Oh, I love that. Thank you for, um, for pointing this out. It's a combination of both. As an entrepreneur or as a CEO or as a, an intrapreneur, you can read all the books on the planet and you gain knowledge. But at the end of the day, it's you. <laughs> it's you in this situation. No one has ever been in this situation right here at this moment in time when Corona has hit. It's just different. Every situation is different. So of course you can learn from people's experience. But if you take that blindly, you may be missing something. Part of being an, an entrepreneur is, is having a very strong core because you are going to be hit so many times from so many different directions. And you need to be able to weigh those, those different responses. You know, sometimes people are going to say, no, 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 because you have a really stupid idea. Maybe. But some of it may be because you have something that no one else understands. And if you are not going to be resilient and understand how to engage these people and to be persistent at finding a way to um, getting the no getting knocked out, getting back up and continuing in a different way because obviously the way that you're doing it is not working. But that's going to be, that's the life of any entrepreneur. You're not going to get anything done if you're going to just gonna accept getting hit and giving up. That's not entrepreneurship. Yeah, you'll have a very short life expectancy if this is how you're approaching it. For sure. I want to use what you've said about entrepreneurship and double-click on a term you've mentioned a few sentences before, and that's intrapreneurship. I've heard the term before. I'm not sure I fully understand what it means. Okay, well, just to make sure, entrepreneur is E-N-T-R-E, entrepreneur, uh, and entrepreneur is I-N-T-R-A. An entrepreneur is a salaried employee, okay? 
startup, multinational, uh, healthcare system, whatever, salaried employee that decides to take risk and initiative to fulfill something that he or she truly believes in as part of a company, company goal, company vision, mission, um, truly committed. The way I approach entrepreneurship, actually, the word entrepreneur is one of the reasons that I do what I do. I'm in love with the concept of entrepreneurship. It's very challenging because we live in the startup nation, okay? And in the startup nation, you know, number two per capita, the amount of startups, and children are being pushed to, to entrepreneurship. Women are being pushed to entrepreneurship. Not everyone needs to be an, entre an entrepreneur, okay? Not everyone has the money, the idea, the inclination, the family support, whatever. Not okay. everyone wants to submit themselves to that crazy roller coaster. Okay, you don't know. Now you lost me. The roller coaster is the roller coaster of life. And if you're choosing to live life, life is a roller coaster and it doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with the roller coaster ride, okay? I'm just saying not everyone needs to start their own company. What's important is to be innovative, is to be proactive, is to choose what life you want to live, to find that, um, that intersection of what I told you before, what you're good at, what you love, what people are willing to pay you for, and, um, and what the world needs from you. And I say with the world, it's, you know, I don't mean that in the universe sense, but what do people need from you? What do people recognize in your talent? Not everyone needs to be an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is someone who is resourceful, will take risk, is proactive, and will understand that this uncertainty is, hey, it's, it's, it's part, of, part of the job. Part of it is just accepting that we don't know what's going to happen. And it's taking initiative within that environment. That is the life of an entrepreneur. And I want to replicate that mindset for corporations. The biggest opportunity, you know, so many people are losing their jobs today and they don't understand why. So you hear um, HR people and you hear um, management talking about talents, okay? We're looking for the talents. But you don't hear... The people saying, I want to be an entrepreneur. I am going to be an entrepreneur. And that's not a title. It's an essence. It's a behavior. Right. I would say... It's it not a goes... behavior. It's a being. It's who you are. And the behavior is part of it. Okay? But I want to hear people saying, no, oh, I lost my job. And that. But wait. Come to your organization and say, okay, I want to be whatever, head of marketing. And I am an entrepreneur. I, I came here to, to make a difference. I didn't come here for a salary. I came here to make a difference. I like that terminology because of a few things. One is that it offers an alternative route, which is equally exciting to the entrepreneurial one. Mm -hmm. The other part of it is that I've experienced corporate life, and I loved huge parts of it. Huge parts of it. And I think corporations have a bad name. I heard the same things that you heard, and I think ultimately... Uh, people are not taking responsibility and are not making a choice, okay? If you are a mother and you want to be with your children uh, or a mother, you want to go, go work, whatever you choose, I respect, but don't be a victim. You're working for a corporation. Um, you love that you know where you're going to be going every day. You know who you're going to see. You have this career certainty. progression okay? plan. You have career yes, okay, you, your people are paying for your development. I wish... 
I wish I had the amount of workshops that people I know that are working in corporations that, you know, personal development, they get so much. I didn't have any of that as an entrepreneur. I had to figure it out on my own. But it's taking accountability and it's taking responsibility and saying, I am choosing to work for this corporation. Okay. And yes, I need the salary, but yes, I want to make a difference. Now I got to tell you, my VP of Re uh, Clinical and Regulatory Affairs at, at Prepex, a pure entrepreneur. And he knew how to engage his team to be entrepreneurs. Okay. Uh, I'm not the best manager. I was lucky enough to have entrepreneurs around me that would take risks, that would take initiative. Startups, they will live or die with entrepreneurship. If the entrepreneur does not understand that he cannot take, he or she cannot take ownership over everything, and they must have entrepreneurs and they must empower entrepreneurs, that's the only way the startup is going to thrive. My VP of Clinical and Regulatory Affairs, he didn't invent anything. It doesn't mean you have to create a subsection within the company that is going with your idea. It can be as little as deciding as every week, I'm going to initiate such and such, a happy hour, uh, this. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm here to contribute. I'm here to make a difference. I'm not a tiny victim and I'm not a tiny piece of a huge corporation. That's mindset. Either you're going to be present or, or don't be. If you decide that you're adopting an entrepreneurial mindset, okay, you're no longer a victim. It's no longer, oh, the company is not giving me support. Oh, I'm not getting resources. Figure out. You have something good? Figure out. Be that entrepreneur within your organization. The point is how to be innovative, how to be proactive, and how to make a difference regardless of the setting. I'll never forget the first time. It's happened many times since, but I'll never forget you. You never forget your first time, right? Um, it was at Kimberly Clark that I uh, lectured. Someone came to me after, and I, Kimberly Clark knows this. It's not a secret, but someone came up to me and he says, wow, you just blew my mind because I, I never knew what to call myself because I knew I'm not an entrepreneur, but I knew I'm not exactly an, an employee And I, I didn't know that there's a name for it. So suddenly, ta-da, there is a name for that. And, and that's what I'm trying to encourage. And that's what I'm trying to build. And that's why by taking the entrepreneurial mindset, bringing it into corporations and inspiring people to be entrepreneurs and to choose to be the best of what they can and not constantly saying, oh, what's outside? And my, oh, there he just got, he exited and made a billion dollars. So... Giving it a name is also enabling an identity. Exactly. When you go to a doctor and you describe your condition and he says or she says, so it is called ABC, the relief you get. So, so here it's not relief, here it's opportunity. Now I know what to do about it. Yes. Now I know how to conduct myself. That's a huge, huge upside. And... The freedom it will allow those who now identify themselves as such is tremendous. I'm here in the concept, you know, wearing the hat. Your program is called Startup Nightmares. But if we understand that nightmares are just part of life, okay, and everyone's got their nightmare story, and it's a mindset issue, because I can also tell you that my startup was not a nightmare. I went through hell and back. 
but I don't call it a nightmare. I call it life. And, and it was really hard, but it, it is part of life. And I, you know, I've always said life is a nightmare for everyone. At given points in time, some people talk about it, some people don't, but it's, it's a startup nightmare. Life is a nightmare. You can either live your life um, in meaning or you can disengage. If you're here or if you're here, it's going to be a nightmare anywhere. It doesn't matter. So you might as well be proactive and choose and do the things that you find meaning. No one's going to find meaning for you. You have to find it for yourself. And I just hear too many people that are working for corporations and say, mm, it's not this, it's not that. It's your choice. It's your choice how to see the opportunity in everything that you do. Samarit, we're almost at the end of our time together. What a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember your reaction when I suggested to you to come on the show a few months ago? Yes. I said no. <laughs> you said no. You said no, and you challenged the perception. You said, like, I, I don't feel comfortable speaking about my experience as if they were a nightmare. Right. Is there any topic that we haven't covered that you feel you'd want to bring to the, to the front of the stage today? You know, in my, when I studied um, coaching... Amazing, amazing process. It was a two-year process, and uh, I learned so much about myself uh, in the process of learning how to coach others. Transformative experience. And at the end of each session, um, everyone who was taking with about 20 people in a room at each time, anyone can, whenever it's comfortable for them, at the end, they say what they want to say, and then they have to say, I'm complete. And after you say, I'm complete... You go home. I'm complete. Samara, this has been an absolute pleasure. We can't thank you enough for your trust, for your openness, for your professionalism, for your insights. One of my highlights of this season. Oh, I bet you say that to all the girls. <laughs> Our viewers can judge. And all that's left for me to say is thank you for coming. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.